and welcome back to another episode of Farewell Evangelion. My name is Keith, who is going through for his last time, and I'm joined by Peter. Who's probably also going through for his last time. But mostly it's his first time. Yeah. Could be both. <laughs> Quite possibly both. After watching the second half of Rebuild 2.22, I don't know if I'm going to go through this again. <laughs> As you said, we watched the back half of Evangelion 2.22. Which originally released in January 20th, 2011. Uh, under constant attack by angels, Nerve introduces two new pilots the mysterious Makinami Mari Illustrious and the intense Asuka Langley Shikinami. Parallel to the incursion, Gendo Akari and Seelie proceed with a secret project involving both Rei and Shinji. So, your adjusted prediction, how do you think you did? Uh, first of all, I want to address that brief. Plot description you just gave? Oh yeah, Mari's not, like, officially yeah, introduced. Yeah, she's not introduced by Nair. She just kind of breaks in and steals an Ava, and everyone's like, okay, I guess we're okay with this. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, no, um, I hate myself. Let's go with that for how I feel about my prediction. Technically, alright, so first of all, going back to my original predict, uh, prediction, both closer and further from the truth than my revised prediction. My revised prediction had things slightly closer, but also slightly further. Actually, I think you revised it a little bit closer. Yeah. Uh, neither one of them actually died. Um, although Asuka was taken out of commission to make room for Mari to actually be able to pilot uh, Unit 2. Um, the bigger issue at hand... <sighs> I predicted they would both die, and like, kind of yes to both. <laughs> uh... Like, Asuka doesn't die, but she is presumably contaminated by an angel and is now locked inside what looks like a coffin, because they're not sure whether or not her mind has been contaminated by the angel, so they don't want to let her out. Uh, she got to take... Uh, so, yeah, let's go back a little bit. So one of the key differences that we didn't really discuss last time, uh, that had a big impact on how this story broke down, is Toji's sister wasn't hugely fucked up in uh, Shinji's original Berserk mode action. Yeah. Uh, so she wasn't in the hospital requiring aid, which means that Nair had no leverage to be like, Alright, Toji, you work for us now, but we'll pay your sister's hospital bills. Um, so they didn't... Well, to be fair, I don't think it was paying your hospitals. I think they moved her to a special Nair facility so she would get better treatment. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, they didn't have that leverage to be able to convince Toji. So instead of Toji piloting Unit 3... Yep. Yeah, except Toji piloting Unit 3, instead of Asuka piloting Unit 3... Uh, and it was one of those things where we started the episode, or not the episode, the second half of the movie, and that started to happen, and I was, like, laughing, playing around, like, oh, yes, the, uh, dinner party is coming up. Oh, no, unfortunate timing. It's during that. And then I just thought about what I was saying. I slowly turned towards you, and was just like, fuck you, <laughs> because I just realized that Asuka's now piloting Unit 3, the one that gets corrupted, and the one that Toji almost fucking died in. And while I didn't verbalize this, I also know... In the manga, he actually did fucking die inside that, whereas in the anime, he survived. So, who knows, maybe they're going a bit closer to the manga and having the pilot die this time around. Fuck! Oh, it just happened, and I, like, realized what was happening before my eyes, realized what I predicted, and felt sadness. <laughs> it's safe to say the dinner party did not happen. Yeah, no, it didn't. In fact, the part I love about this is when it all goes to shit... We see the car do the, like, the quick U-turn on the street with Gendo in the background, and apparently Shinji's right there on the street. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, he saw Shinji and just, he was like, fuck it, no! Yeah, he actually, uh, we don't even see it pulling the full U-turn, we see it, like, the second half of the U-turn, uh, which presumably means saw Shinji started the U-turn, 
Then the explosion happened. Gator saw the explosion happen. He's like, all right, good. We have a reason for me turning around. I don't have to admit that it was because of Shinji. Um, so yeah. Fuck. This, oh god, why is this series so emotionally fucking draining? Yeah, the back half of 2.22 gets like really, like, nonstop hits the ground and there's no breaks. Yeah, it's just, alright, so Asuka does that, uh, uh, during the lead up to this, Asuka's like in the elevator up to Unit 3. Uh, first of all, she's sad because Unit 2 is getting locked out to make room for Unit 3. Yeah, that's getting sealed due to the Vatican Treaty. Uh, no place can have more than uh, three Evangelions. And it wasn't Nerve's call to freeze Unit 2. It was because of the European branch who decided 2 was going to be frozen. Yeah. Because it were, sounds like they were going to do 0 anyways. <laughs> yeah, they were in charge of Unit 3 at the time, so they got to decide. Yeah, so um, uh, Unit 2 uh, gets frozen. 0 and 1 are still under repairs. Asuka's like, but I'm the only one who gets a pilot. And Ruthka's like, pilots and Avis can both be replaced. Yeah. Well, just wink, wink, nod, nudge, nudge. We might have a dummy system set up to replace you. Also, other ways of replacing you in the future. So don't worry about it. Other questions. Don't worry about it now. We'll come back. We'll come back. Yeah. Uh, we have a whole question and answer period coming up. When I'm going to, like, just stare at you and show. That's uh, So, uh, fuck. So, yeah, that happened. Uh, but then we also get Asuka on the elevator up to Unit 3, and she's on the phone. Well, first of all, going back a bit again before that. Yeah, there's the elevator scene. There's the elevator, the classic elevator scene of Asuka and Bray on the elevator together, and Asuka calling Bray a fucking doll again, and uh, Bray being like, you know, you need to, it mirrors your heart, so you don't need to pilot a name to be happy. You need to be happy on your own or some shit like that. It's slightly different from how she phrased the first episode about opening your heart to you, but it's more so about don't get yourself worth from the game. Well, Asuka's problem in this one wasn't her ability to pilot the Ava or not opening up to it. She was perfectly fine with the Ava. It was more so the fact that she was feeling useless without having a unit yeah. pilot. Uh, so then we get the classic scene of Asuka slapping the shit out of Ray. Except Ray's prepared this time. Ray catches <laughs> Asuka mid-slap, <laughs> And then uh, they have the comparison of who loves Shinji more based on the number of scars on their hands. It's just like, Ray was like, I watched Neon Genesis Evangelion. I know what happens here. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it turns out Ray loves Shinji more or just wants Shinji to be happy more. Because while Asuka only has the two bandages that Ray recently had, Ray has, like, upped the quantity of bandages immensely. And her hand is more bandaged than hand at this point. Which, does she go into Ritsuko every time this happens? I like to imagine she stops mid-meal, goes to Ritsuko, gets a bandage, and then goes back up, cuts herself again, and she's like, fuck, alright, going back down to Ritsuko. There's only one spot I know that has band-aids. <laughs> it's Ritsuko. To the point where, like, I feel like it would happen enough times that Ritsuko would just be like, I'm just gonna hang out in your apartment while you're doing this, because this is getting real frustrating, you coming to me every 30 seconds. <laughs> I think the first step of that, fine, I'm gonna give you this box of bandages, like, but then how will I apply it? Yeah. It's like, fine! I'm not a doctor, I don't know how to apply bandages, I'm still gonna come to you. <laughs> um... So yes, uh, Ray catches the slap, and then during some final checkups between Ray and Ritsuko, well, Asuka gets the news that she gets to pilot the Ava. And then well, it's not that she's piloting it, it was Mitsato was going to decide, and what we're supposed to get is she realized the importance of the Shinji Gendo dinner, so she offered to pilot, and that was the phone call we saw when she's like, oh, what an unfortunate time for it to be scheduled. Fair, yeah. Which, that might be also Gendo fucking with it before it even happened. It's like, uh, put it on the same day as the dinner. Yeah, it, 
it got rescheduled to that day, and we all know Gendo's probably the one who chose what day it got rescheduled. Yeah, that was always my biggest problem with it. It's like, Gendo probably had a say on this date, and he decided to put on the same day as the dinner at the same time. It's like, get Shinji to test pilot it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no. Uh, Asuka volunteers. Um, and then we see Ray decides to call Asuka to leave a message. Uh, which is perfect, because apparently Ray doesn't understand how to operate a phone. Or most things. Yeah. Like band-aids. Clearly, Ritsuko calls Asuka. Once she hears the, like, voicemail stare tone, she's like, Alright, Ray, you can talk into it now. And then Ray waits, like, a solid 30 seconds before just being like, Thank you, Asuka. <laughs> Maybe she was going through a ditch. She's like, I don't know the words. <laughs> she does know the words. She said them to Shinji earlier on. It was the first time she's ever said them to Shinji. But she has said the words recently. That's fair. Uh, she just doesn't know whether or not she can say them to us. So yes, that goes understandably poorly. Um, but yeah, final thing I keep trying to go back to, but now we're at that point of the episode. Asuka on the elevator, up to Unit 3, has a phone call with Misato, and basically explains, I'm no longer needed to the plot because I have no trauma to work through, and I recognize the value of friendship and how... While I used to do things all entirely on my own, I recognize that it can be quite fun interacting with other human <laughs> beings, and my life is more complete having other people be a part of my life. That whole conversation is red flag after red flag of, this character's arc is done, Especially we are Neon done Gen with them now. <laughs> Especially in Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yeah. Yeah, that was... <laughs> the only thing I was missing is like, man, after this I might retire in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Can't like... wait for that baby that's on the way too. Is he? it was close to that, it's just... It was the Neon Genesis version of that, of, my therapy is over now, okay, time for you to die. <laughs> Jesus. So yeah, that all happens. Uh, and then, it goes poorly, as expected. Yeah, uh, Shinji uh, ends up having to be, because because of what happened previously, with Unit 2 being sealed, and Unit 0 still fucked up from the oh, fight. Yeah, because they were focusing repairs on Unit 1 before Unit yeah, 0. Yeah, the fight was Ikiel. Uh... This changes the Bardiel dynamic, where now it's just Shinji versus Bardiel. But aside from that, the fight is practically the exact same as it was in the original run. There is a slight difference in that in the first one, when the dummy plug system uh, took over, Shinji just watched it happen but had no direct input in it. This time when the dummy plug system takes over, it's like a physical machine inside the plug with Shinji that like holds his hands in place while it does these horrible things to him. Yeah, although he doesn't see. Yeah, it does make a point of putting a screen in front of his face to block off his view. <laughs> Presumably it's playing like a uh, Teletubbies episode just to calm him down while all this is happening. But yeah, uh, this one, he knows it's Asuka that's in the plug. He sees the plug as well. So right off the bat, he knows who he's fighting against, which is a bit different from the Toji one, where it was after the fact he found out it was Toji. Yeah. Uh, but he refuses to kill Asuka specifically, and plays it the same. He's like, Dummy Plug takes over. Uh, I guess the big difference is instead uh, of being crushed in the hand... Tries to eat Asuka. But, funny enough, that technically, as soon as I saw it with the bite into it... It, it looks more visceral, but it's actually safer for Asuka. Yeah, because I suppose the hand, it would crush it completely throughout, whereas in the moment it would just be on the sides where the teeth are, and so, the middle yeah, part would be safe. Where the pilot should be would have just been bit around. So. Yeah. Uh, I guess I wasn't too worried about Asuka in that situation, but I, at the same time when I was first watching I was like, holy shit, what? Yeah, fucking Asuka's dead, I guess, now. Uh, but yeah, Shinji uh, ends up indirectly killing... <laughs> killing Asuka, but then we get the scene where Misato wakes up and Kaji explains the situation. 
And she's like, oh no, Shinji, how's he doing? And then we cut to Shinji just fucking stomping on the top of Nerve yeah, HQ. He's, he's on top of Nerve HQ being like, I have five minutes of power. You could wait it out, but if you make me a... Remember, that's more than enough time to destroy half of Nerve HQ. And Gendo's like, you know what, fuck it, let's kill my child real quick. Let's increase the pressure to max. Could kill him, but he definitely will stop piloting this Ava to kill us. The thing I love is that uh, Oba is like, in his uh, in his mental state, he might just be able to. <laughs> So yeah, uh, Shinji then wakes up, has a meeting with his father, quits, all pretty standard stuff. Gendo straight up tells him, he's like, well, he doesn't come. As soon as Shinji walks out of his office, Gendo calls some other people, and he's like, alright, make sure Shinji's name is taken off of every record we have, he no longer works for it, no longer the pilot appears. He also tells Shinji to grow. Yeah, which, fair enough. Shinji is technically still a child, but this is <laughs> but it's like you gotta be like a grown up and she's like I don't even know what that means it just storms out of the room yeah. as far as we can tell being a grown up in this universe means willing to sacrifice child lives to save your own unless you look at it in an optimistic side like Mari does yeah. man look at me exploiting all these adults for my own benefit yeah something's going on with that character and I, I need to know what <laughs> um so yeah that's what's going on with uh Shinji and uh, Gendo at this point, so Shinji fucks off, leaves, quits, abandons his, uh, tape recorder, which we have one of those, like, dream sequences where he's on the train again, uh, and he explains that the reason he's been holding on to this tape recorder all along is because it used to be his father's, his father abandoned it, it's like, before he abandoned Shinji, so Shinji's just been holding on to Yeah. Um, so Shinji's been holding on to it all this time in his place, and... Not broken up about that at all. He's like completely well adjusted, obviously. Yeah, I think the Shinji does handle the Gendo breakup, as we will call it, <laughs> a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, he trashes the recorder, which then Ray ends up picking up as well. He abandons his phone, saying he's not going to bother calling anyone to let them know about what's going on because he doesn't care about anyone anymore. He's just going to live on his own. He's never going to laugh again. I think we also get another really good scene that's not part of the original of Misato talking to Shinji before he leaves in this one where she actually kind of apologizes for everything she did and not and just like oh I'm sorry we had to, we had to put you like she explains like oh I put all this pressure on you that I probably shouldn't have yeah, uh, I based had, on my own I had my own shit going on and I put my own expectations on top of you and that probably just increased the pressure that was on you yeah and, and that's not like, those are like key scenes that like really show that the growth of the relationship between them like even though Shinji's leaving and doesn't want to do all that stuff like they did have a connection that she was willing to voice that with them, right yeah Definitely a solid relationship growth. Yep. Uh, and then we get the Tenth Angel attack, which is uh, a behemoth of a mixture. Yeah, this this angel's got some shit going on. Yeah, so Zuriel, uh, but as we mentioned before with the previous angels, it's mainly Zuriel, but it has clearly Armacell influences and Ezreal's like AT field barrier level of strength. Yeah, the, like, fucking impenetrable AT field. The, like, weird paper tentacle things that can pierce through anything, and that the fact that it absorbs Ray at one point and takes on giant Ray form, except it doesn't do this immediately before dying, it does this immediately before destroying shit. Yeah. And then, yeah, it has everything of Zerial kind of baked into its core. Yeah, this one is immensely more powerful than the Zerial from the original run. Oh, absolutely. So this one... 
is unfazed by anyone's attacks against his AT field. Uh, like, Unit 2 and Unit 0 working together to push a mine through its AT field. They manage to push it through, but then it just closes off its physical body to prevent the end to yeah. mine. And that's the amazing thing about 2, that uh, this Unit 2 was enhanced because it had gone into inversion mode. And it took all of its ability and Unit Zero's ability to just break the AT field. <laughs> yep. Uh, although, luckily, as we learn a little bit later on, there is something stronger than inverted Unit 2 plus Unit Zero, and that's Shinji, like, poor power of friendship powering up Unit 1. Essentially. <laughs> and determining that no matter what it fucking takes, even though she is dead to the world and cannot exist outside of uh, Zuriel's core anymore, He's going to save Ray no matter what it takes. <laughs> we'll get to that more in a moment, but uh, going back to the beginning of the fight. So, the city gets attacked, well, Shinji's on the train, gets taken to the shelter thing as normal. So the first line of defense is, Mari hijacks Unit 2 without any approval, and then was like, who's in Unit 2? I have no idea. And then Misato gets the command center, it's like, we gotta back it up. <laughs> yeah, Misato's immediately on board, it's like... It That's clearly a child in there. <laughs> can't be Ray, can't be the dummy plug, can't be Oscar, because Oscar's fucking owed a commission. Can't be Shinji. Shinji's fucked up. Whatever. Let's just all go on board. This this person's clearly trying to help us against the Eighth. Let's all fully support this Ava. Now, one thing I do want to point out here, just because uh, this is something people bring up a lot, uh, and I think it's better to explain it here instead of in the fun facts or whatever. But a lot of people tend to say, "Well, how can Mari pilot Unit Two? It doesn't have a core in it for her mother, Bioska's." Well, first, when they're freezing it, there's one of the common things in the background says the core has been removed. And as we've established already, and I've made sure to inform people as we go through this, you do not actually require a soul core in order to pilot the able. Yeah. It makes it easier, but it doesn't. It's not a necessity for piloting the able. There's still shit going on with Mari, but we'll talk about her more when we get to that fun facts slash questions. Yeah. But yeah, essentially, Mari does the first showdown against Zuriel, and it seems nothing is able to penetrate the AT fields. So she's like, I have to try something different, and then we see for the first time the inversion mode of uh, Ava's. Yeah, where all the limiters are taken off, it's going full beast mode, but it's also corrupting her at the same time. Yeah, so think of it kind of similar to the idea of the 4,000, or not 4,000, 400% uh, sync rate. Yeah. Because they don't really use percentage sync rates now, it's depth levels is what they use, which is the equivalent. Yeah. Uh, but effectively what it is, is it, think of it... Literally is inversion, right? She's not so much fully influencing into it, it's also feeding back into her. Yeah, and that kind of plays out where, uh, the, if you think about it, the sync rate or the depth, like the higher the number, the greater control and the greater connection she has over it. But when she goes into this inversion mode, they straight up say it's going into negative numbers, meaning that not only is her control over it, but it's starting to have control over her at the same time. And the effects we see of this is her eyes start glowing a bit, and she gets a little bit more like. Uh, like monstrous, kind of because she gets like fangs almost. Yeah, she starts taking off like the weird posture of like the leaning back with the arms and stuff like that. Well, that's the thing. Uh, she wasn't using the control handles anymore. Yeah. She was moving to control it. Yeah. No, she uh, clearly takes on a bit of a change when she goes into this uh, beast mode. Yeah, she knows a lot more about how the Avas work as well, which. Being a person who loves the smell of LCL and was a secret pilot unit five. Clearly something's going on with there. Yeah, of course. That's what I'm trying to say. There's something going on with this character. And I'm not going to get to the bottom of it today because you won't let me. Yeah. But we will eventually get to the bottom of this oh, character. Oh, yeah, 100%. Right? Okay, good. Uh, and the fun thing about uh, this fight, too, is 
uh, the inversion mode. A lot of people call it beast mode because the password to get through is beast mode. Yeah. Uh, but it's inversion. Yeah, of course. But uh, she is able to just break through layers of the AT field, but it's still not enough to get through Zuriel. No. <laughs> Which, if this was a thing that showed up in the original Evangelion, like them going the inversion, I think Zuriel would not have been a problem at all in the original one. No, not even a little bit. Um, but we also get uh, Ray using classic Ray tactics. Uh, she comes out in Unit Zero, everyone's like, what? Unit Zero wasn't supposed to be ready yet, but what's she doing? She's there to back him up, I guess. Wait, that's not a rifle in her hands. What's she carrying? And then it cuts to Ray carrying just a fucking nuclear warhead into mine, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Like, just sprinting full force at Zuriel. And this is another indication of how strong Zuriel is, that in the original, she was able to break through the AT field no problem and still get the nuke to him. Of course, it's body strong enough to resist the nuke, but the AT field with no problem. And this one, this is where it took an inverted Unit 2 and... You know, Zero working together to actually get the nuke even through the AT fields. Yeah, and it wasn't just the two of them physically. Like, it was uh, the inverted uh, Unit 2 tearing apart the uh, AT field. It was Unit Zero pushing it through. But if you also look, the boosters on the back of the rocket also fire. So the rocket is also being launched into it, and it still takes all three working in tandem to get it through that fucking AT field. Yeah, it gets through, but same as last time, it closes the shell. And before the nuke goes off, she throws Unit 2 out of the way. Yeah, because her, well, there's two things here. First of all, her whole goal is to sacrifice herself, not to sacrifice anyone else. So she's willing to throw, or she's going to try and throw Unit 2 out of there. But the other thing is, and this is a key difference, because I don't remember this explicit line being said the first time around, is she makes it clear the whole reason she's doing this is so that Shinji will never have to pilot an Ava ever again. Yeah. She doesn't want him to be forced to get back at Unit 1 to save the day. So, she is fully determined to do whatever it takes to defeat this angel so that they don't need to call on Shinji to make him pilot again. Yeah. Because she realizes that that's very traumatic for him after the brief conversation she had with him after, uh... Did she even talk to him after the fucking Satchel fight? She must have. Satchel? Not Satchel. The... Seikyo? Seikyo, yeah. Well, they had a bunch of interactions between there and then. Like, in the oh, classroom, right, remember, yes. and all that? Oh, not Tahikil. Bardiel. Bardiel? Bardiel, that's what Uh, not on screen, but we could infer that maybe something happened, but I think whether they had a conversation or not isn't required for Ray to understand what she's oh, yeah. going through. Uh, I think we can definitely infer that there was some, uh, from the fact that she understands the significance of the recorder and she picks it up from the trash, and also the fact that even if she didn't, like, try and convince him to stay... To be fair, it might not be she recognizes the significance of the recorder, but just like she took Gendo's glasses, fair. which if Gendo doesn't have a significance of his glasses, he replaced them, no problem. Yeah. Shinji always had the recorder with him. So she could be uh, adding her own significance to the recorder, yeah. just like she had to the glasses. Uh, sorry, no, let me rephrase. There is other evidence, uh, not so much that she had an extended conversation with him, but there's the talk from Oda and the other Narrow HQ employees... Uh, after Shinji left, about how Ray didn't stop Shinji, which implies that they perhaps had a brief conversation and they assumed Ray was trying to stop him. But that could have very easily been Ray just talking to him for a couple seconds, being like, "Oh no, no, you want to leave? <laughs> I recognize that. Yeah, no, there's the door. You go right ahead." <laughs> and honestly, my, my my objective that they told me, which has not been rescinded, is to stop you from dying. So if you're away from the combat, that's less kill shots after. Yeah, luck. no one has taken that objective away from me, so it's for the best if you just leave <laughs> right now. Uh, so yeah, I think 
while it's not explicitly said, I think it can easily be inferred that they might have had a brief conversation, and even if they didn't have a brief conversation, she has the understanding that he quit because of the fact that it's too traumatizing piloting Ava's, especially after potentially killing Oscar while piloting. At, at the pretty much order of Gendo. Yeah. Uh, so I... Especially after, like, from her perspective, because she seems to have a lot more humanity to her this time around. Like, she's still got oh, the whole greatness going on where she's still slightly detached. But she certainly seems to have a lot more humanity in this rendition than she did in Neon Genesis. Yeah, and I, I think, as I mentioned before, that is a lot more due to not so much a change in Rey, but more of Shinji is actually was making an effort to get close to Rey. Yeah, uh, I am willing to accept that, but I do think that added humanity to Rey has allowed her to perhaps even have the self-awareness of she's been constantly trying to push Gendo onto Shinji of, like, don't you have trust in your father? And, like, she was going through all this work of trying to establish a relationship to them. Then to realize that Shinji went through this very traumatic experience at the direct orders of Gendo, she might even partially feel somewhat responsible for that, or even not feel responsible, but recognize that she has been encouraging this uh, relationship between Shinji and Gendo only for Gendo to take advantage of it. So I can definitely see her feeling slightly responsible for what happens and having even more of that. I need to fix this for Shinji so he doesn't have to go through this ever again. Fair. Uh, so one of the things, uh, uh, transitions I love in this one is after the nuclear explosion goes off and then it cuts back, we then have a card cut to Shinji in the facility and it says, this facility is now unsafe. Yeah, please evacuate immediately. And then Shinji, like, in essentially the fetal position while ev no one else is around. Hey, uh, everyone else clicks up unsafe and left, but she's like, I fucking don't care. Uh, whatever, if I die, I die. It is what it is. Yeah, but Unit 2 ended up smacking through the facility and, uh, Here's one of the big changes. It's not Kaji that uh, convinces Shinji to make a decision on his own. It's, well, actually, it's not even Mari trying to decide when to come back. She picks him and was like, oh, I'm going to help you escape. He sees the exact moment that uh, Zuriel ends up chomping down on Rey, thus showing the uh, Armacell influence of uh, Zuriel, where it absorbs Rey and kind of takes on a Rey-like form. Yeah. With the Zuriel mask on. And he's like, oh, I had to do something. I like to think he saw the watermelons and wanted to avenge them. Yeah. Because uh, the watermelons are gone. They were fucking nuked. Yeah, and that's the thing. Is it's not even... Like, we see Zuriel eating uh, Unit Zero. I like to believe he's looking in that direction, but his eyeline is like 20 degrees lower looking at where the watermelons used to be. And he's like, I need to do this for Kaji. <laughs> that man bought me coffee. Uh, he, he paid in advance. He paid for my services with a can of coffee. Um, yeah. So that's entirely possible. Uh, regardless, it's no longer someone having a conversation with Shinji of you need to make a decision and stop letting other people decide for you and whatever the decision you make, you need to be comfortable living with that decision. And it has very much so evolved into if you're telling me you quit being a pilot, then you shouldn't be here. I'm going to help get you out of here only for them to like bring him into the light physically and then him to see what's happening to Ray and being like, no, I'm going to make a decision. So it's not even... It's like an extra step of growth for Shinji, where it's not him being told to make a decision and making a decision based on that. It's him being told, alright, you've made a decision, and then him seeing the consequences of his decision and immediately being like, no, I need to take responsibility for my actions. Yeah, well, I think a part of that, as we had to find later, was he wanted to do something to try to save Rei. Yeah. A and Shinji is so determined to this that, because Gendo leaves the command center to try to set up Rei, and like, damn it, you listen to me. Yeah. And, and Shinji shows up, and 
even startles Gendo, because he pretty much says, I'm Shinji fucking Akari, pilot of this unit. Yeah, I'm Shinji motherfucking Akari, I'm the pilot of Unit 1. Let me... Gendo let Shinji into the fucking robot. <laughs> Gendo, open the fucking robot. <laughs> Gendo, get out of the fucking robot way. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, Shinji convinces Gendo that it's the right thing to do. And then we get to see the classic scene of fucking Zuriel about to destroy Nerve Central HQ, only to get decked by Shinji jumping through a wall and punching him in the face. I suppose it's more accurate to say Unit 1, but no, it feels better to say Shinji jumping through a wall yeah. and punching Zuriel in the face. Yeah, I think the big difference to this one is, unlike the original Zuriel fight, they also don't fly up to above the city, they're still in the geofront for this part. Yeah. Uh, another key difference is, at this point, this is when the Ava kind of awakened and ate the S2 core. Well, first things first is it runs out of power, and then she's like, oh shit. Yeah. And you, this is kind of the same as before, where AV Unit 1 is still getting the shit kicked out of it when Zeriel's standing over it, and then it awakens. But this one is Shinji just kind of like, give me back Ayaname, and you see his eyes are glowing. Yeah. Uh, so it's similar to what we saw with Mari, where her eyes started glowing and there was clearly some contamination both ways. I don't think that this was any amount of the Ava having control over Shinji. I think it was fully Shinji awakening alongside the fucking Ava. Uh, and then, yeah, he doesn't eat the S2 core. Instead, he beats the shit out of it and, like, climbs inside of its core to pull Ayanami out with his bare hands. And I mean bare, because as he plunges his hand into the core, the skin peels off of his hand. It's as bare as a hand can be. Yeah, effectively, this is pretty much Shinji's 400% moment from the original run, but turned up to 11 with him pretty much reaching into Zuriel to pull Ainami out. It is so heavily pulled up to 11 that he essentially starts instrumentality during this fucking scene. Well, he doesn't start instrumentality, he starts the third impact, which yeah. I think when you saw the halo appear and those things in the sky started appearing, which looked very much like what was over Antarctica, yeah. it's like, oh, I think this is the impact. Yeah, it, And the other characters also mentioned, like, this is the end of the world, this third impact. Shinji has effectively created a new life form when, uh, after he blows up Zuriel after freeing Ray, it turns into, like, a blood ray and then yeah. fuses with Unit uh, yeah, 1. Yeah, so Shinji, well, not Shinji, but Unit 1 and Ray have fully fused, and now Shinji is in control of that Control feels like a harsh word to use. Uh, he is piloting that, uh, and yeah, it rocks are floating through the sky, and the third impact has begun. All the NPCs, NPCs, I'm still the DC five So Mario's the main character, of course. Uh, no, all of the um, other characters who are outside the Ava comment on how, oh, guess it's time to die now. Yeah, all this will give me wings as playing. Yeah. Because it's not Neon Genesis if there's not cheery music playing over very bad situations. Yeah. Although, the, the thing I like about this, too, is we have Misato's perspective of what's going on, and she's not like, when it first starts off, she's not like, oh my god. She's like, do it, Shinji, do it for you! Yeah, don't follow anyone else's goals. Achieve your own goals, which maybe is the death of all humanity. If that's the case, you do your goals. Well, Shinji even says, I don't care what happens to me or the world, I'm just going to save Ayanami. Yeah. Uh... And so, the third impact starts, and then we cut to black, and then we see some words scroll across the screen, and then we cut away from black, and Shinji just gets the fucking Spear of Longinus yeeted through his chest, as Kaoru comes down to Earth promising how he's gonna make Shinji happy. 
end. <laughs> he's going to de- <laughs> He's going to make him re- have you regardless of whatever it takes. Yeah. Uh, a very ominous threat-like stance this time. Uh, but yeah, his phrasing of "I'm going to make Shinji happy this time" is also suspicious. I'm going to put it that way. I mean, about as suspicious as saying, "Oh, it's the third again." Uh, Shinji Yukari, I look forward to meeting you. Yeah. There's clearly, uh, let's say, evidence for my cycle theory of <laughs> he has some level of awareness of Neon Genesis events. I mean, it's like 12 years after the original run, he just could be a fan. Yeah, perhaps <laughs> he just watched the original series. Actually, when does the takes place? 2015? Yeah. Ish? Yeah, no, so Neon Genesis <laughs> has been out for 11 years at this point. Yeah, he's yeah, just pretty watched. Much. He's In fact, just, this movie was also out. Yeah, he's he's already watched this movie. He knows how it's going to go down. It's a shame no one else in the world of uh, Evangelion 2.22 has watched Evangelion 2.22, but good on Kaoru for being aware of the situation. It must only be on the moon. Yeah. That's, actually, <laughs> That's why they wouldn't like Gendo in the moon. Yeah, because they didn't want him to be able to watch the movie. He It would be too much information for Gendo. Exactly. So, yeah, of course. Yep, uh, it, it, pretty much the back half is just the party all Zuriel fight. At this point, we've had ten angels through the numbering system. Yep. Yeah. Questions? Yeah, fire away. How the fuck does Mari know what she knows? How is she aware of how to, like, use voice commands to override the controls of an Abe? Well, I can't say anything exact, but that would imply she has access to or... Uh, personal knowledge with how Evangelion work. I like you as a friend. I don't like you as an individual person. Uh, no, I don't really have questions about what happened with shit like that. That's that's the main one that fucked me this movie. Mari clearly knowing more than anyone else in the room, including Gendo from what it looks like, so... Uh, to be fair, I don't think Gendo would... Uh, I think Gendo, because you have to remember, Gendo is one of the people that made Evangelion, right? Oh, yeah, no, I don't mean Gendo... I th- I, Gendo fully knows about Inversion. I I don't mean to imply that Gendo doesn't know about Inversion. I mean to imply that Varric seems to know everything Gendo knows about the Evangelions, but also knows things that Gendo doesn't know, because Gendo doesn't know who the fuck Mari is, as far as I can tell. Okay. Uh, unless. Unless. Mari is Gendo from the future travel back in time as a little girl so that he can actually find out a name himself. Not the craziest theory ever. Not from the past, or from the future travel to the past, Mari is Gendo from the first loop of Neon Genesis Evangelion, who has somehow survived the reshuffling and come back as... And get eaten by Unit 1. Yep. Uh, And it now exists as a separate entity. Because during Instrumentality, it said if they could uh, become aware of their own AT field, they could reform themselves in the LCL. Gendo had so much understanding of AT fields, he didn't reshape himself in his own image. He reshaped himself in the image of a young girl. I want to point out, Gendo did not get turned into LCO, though. He was not permitted instrumentality. Right, yes. As punishment by Ray. Ray just straight up was like, no, you don't get to participate in this. You don't get to see Yui again. Uh, you're right. Too bad. Gendo figured it out. Gendo was one step ahead of Ray and knew that was going to (laughs) happen. It was a Gendo clone. (laughs) Uh, yeah. That's, that, that's what's going on, probably. 
Tell me some fun facts, or questions from the audience if you have those. Yeah, let's do some questions first before we get into the fun facts. So, I guess this is a good one to start off with. This is from uh, Primus vs. Unicron. Thoughts on Gendo Akari? <laughs> if if the series of Neon Genesis Evangelion had a physical antagonist, that physical antagonist would be Gendo. Not that like he's working against the goals of everyone else. It's just a lot of the problems in the series seem to stem back to Gendo in one way or another. Yeah, well, if Shinji's the main character, then one of the characters in his way is definitely Gendo. Yeah, because Gendo, you could think of as hypothetically one of the people preventing him from having a happy life. But overall, I really like Gendo. I think Gendo, even if he's definitely got those bad aspects, he's a very interesting character, especially as you learn more about him. I kind of like He's also a Sam. <laughs> That's true. Uh, well, we're on the Gendo train here. Uh, we have another question about Gendo, actually, from uh, Ama Dolly uh, on Instagram as well. Why were Gendo and Celia working against each other if both wanted instrumental? Because... This one I can answer because I was paying attention when we talked about this uh, uh, initially the first time. Uh, they both had different ideas of how to use instrumentality, where Gendo's goal for instrumentality was to get all of humanity to exist as one inside of Unit 1, whereas Sile's goals for instrumentality was to have each of the chairs of Sile inside one of the MPE Evangelions, uh, and then they would exist as gods while the rest of the humanity just kind of fucked off and stopped existing. So, they both had a similar understanding of what instrumentality is, they just had different goals about how to achieve it and what to do once it happens. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. It's, they both want instrumentality, but through different means, which means either's plan could not exist if the other succeeded. Ah, nice Harry Potter reference you got there, dude. I guess it is. Neither can live while the other survives. Uh, any other questions? Uh, so I have one more here, which I guess we might be able to answer here, uh, so we might return to this question in the future. So good on you, Korean Burrito, who asked, which girl is best girl? Be honest. Because you were only recently introduced to Mari, and maybe there'll be more best girls in the next uh, episode. I feel bad for every single one of the girls in this series. <laughs> I feel like nominating one of them as best girl is just an extra punch to the gut of all the other girls. Um, so... I'm going to dodge the question and say Fusey is the best girl. That's true. How about we rephrase it? Who is your favorite female character in the series? And then also give us your favorite male character. Alright, uh, favorite female character? Um, Ritsuko. I actually do enjoy Ritsuko. Ritsuko even if she's like a manipulative bitch later <laughs> on, I still find her fun. It never happened if she didn't even kill all the race! Yeah, she might in the future, but she hasn't yet! <laughs> Uh, and then, um, favorite male character, yeah, Fusuki. I like Fusuki. <laughs> he just stands there and goes, yes. Yeah, exactly. He's just the ultimate yes man, except when you learn his backstory, he fucking hated Gendo at first, but through time became the ultimate yes man. That's fair. I think, for favorite male character, it's probably Kaji. I think Kaji is Kaji's great. always been just number one. Now, if we're talking purely about the original run of the series, it's Misato. With Rebuild, it's Mari. There. I hope to see more of Mari in the future so I can make a more informed decision. If Mari actually died there and is no longer a part of the series, then I can commonly say Mari probably isn't best girl in my books, but <laughs> if 
We see more of Mario as time goes on. I might change my opinion. Also, I am changing my answer for Best Boy. While Futsuki is great, uh, Best Boy is Kensuke all the way. Kensuke, Mostly because he keeps getting shafted on pilot status. Well, that's where we're currently at, but uh, I'm sure we'll come back to Cream Burrito's question once we finish the series. Yeah, once we finish uh, 4.0 or 4.44, whatever it is, when we get there. When Peter can make a fully informed decision. Yeah. My fully informed decision will be brand new all the way. That makes sense. So I guess it's time to get into some fun facts here. So a few of these are just going to be, I mean, I guess we speak out into the ether, and whatever they mean, who knows. Uh, but, man, that Spear of Longinus sure looked strange, didn't it? It was not on screen long enough for me to realize. Uh, it wasn't a forked spear, it was more of like a spearhead thing. Hmm, that does sound weird. Also, why would it be on the moon if it was inside Lilith when we saw her? Quite a conundrum, isn't it? So, <laughs> quick question. Yeah? Avas are aliens, right? Let's just let's go back to the very basics. <laughs> back to the basics, yes. Avas are aliens. Clones of aliens. Clones of aliens. Uh, sorry, Avas are clones of aliens. Angels are aliens. Yes. Um, there were two spears on Earth initially. It's just... Uh, when Lilith, Lilith crashed, crashed, it broke her, her spear. Broke. broke, but theoretically could potentially be fixed, or was it broken beyond repair? Okay. I mean, who knows? Perhaps broken. Who even said it was a spear of Longinus in there? Uh, no one said that. Uh, <laughs> maybe it was a spear with a tip. Also, uh, it was, if I remember correctly, based on that whole Lord Up episode, it was the uh, impact of Lilith's Black Moon with Earth that caused the formation of the moon that orbits Earth, right? Yeah. Okay. I don't have answers for you, Keith. <laughs> you weren't asking questions. Oh, no. I'm I just talking out loud. Yeah. I am just formalizing theories inside my own head that I'm not going to say out loud. I'm just going to put all of the Lego pieces on the table and the listener can clearly get at what I'm implying, but I'm not going to say out loud <laughs> so that they can be like, ha you're wrong. No, you're just putting the pieces together wrong. I'm definitely right. <laughs> okay. It's a weird thing to respond to me speaking out loud, but sure. Yeah, of course. To be fair, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying the listeners are wrong for assuming I'm wrong <laughs> in my interpretations of the things you say out loud. Fair enough, fair enough. Any other fun facts that you want to say out loud? Uh, so, this is less talking out loud and more of explaining something, because I know there's a lot of people that are, tend to be confused about how specifically Shinji triggered uh, Third Impact here. Uh, first things first, Kaoru stopped Third Impact. Yes, absolutely. His whole thing was to stop Third Impact with the spear, which sealed Unit 1. Shinji had most of the formula there to create the impact. He had Lilith's body, Lilith's soul, which was also made from fucking the body of Zuriel. Yeah. <laughs> for the physical body. And they fused together. Everything there was for the recipe. Shinji also was able to trigger with all these circumstances because he had the power. And the key thing here, he had a wish. Right, yes. His wish beyond anything to bring Rey back into existence. Exactly. So, essentially, the, the thing that a lot of people keep forgetting about the impacts is it's not necessarily everyone dying from it. It's literally the amount of power generated is the impact, and what's done with it is based on who's in control of the impact. Fair. But Shinji also essentially created the new life form, which was to populate the Earth. Because, remember, the point of 
killing all the angels and fusing them is to determine the dominant species. Yes. And Shinji accidentally ends up creating that new dominant species. <laughs> Which is an Ava with Grey's soul incorporated. Essentially. Yeah, so he essentially did have all the pieces there. It wasn't just some random, like, what the fuck's going on? He actually, yeah. because of the circumstances, had everything and a wish which triggered it. Yeah, so in theory, he could have done it in the original Neon Genesis in Megalion after he defeats Zerial and absorbs the S2 mine. Not S2 mine, S2 drive. No, because he didn't have the soul. Right. Ray was literally transformed purely into a soul within Zerial because she... Right, yeah, 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 you're right. Um, but regardless, even if he had the soul, he didn't have a wish at that time, so we're proctored anyways. Yeah. Fair enough. Now, uh, the last thing to talk about here, uh, in the fun fact category, is the title. You Cannot Advance. So, yes. as I mentioned before, there's two ways to interpret this. It's, First one, how it's different from the original series. Second one, how the story changes over the course of it. By adding the not in both circumstances. Yes. So, the you cannot advance can, throughout the case of the story, be Shinji's drive and Asuka's drive and Rei's drive. Like, their ability, they believe they can move forward, and then they're all slapped down at their highest moment, in a sense. Oscar's slapped at as she's trying to pilot a new unit, unit 3, when she's fully confident of herself, no longer needs therapy, recognizes other people are a positive influence on her life. Slap back down at her. This Ray's, can also be taken into the account of the dinner party with Gendo also cannot go forward. Yeah. Uh, Ray gets slapped down both in, not so much in her uh, abilities to pilot Neva, but I think it's pretty clear that her goal is to... Uh, fix the relationship between Gendo and Shinji. At the start of it, she starts to build up these plans, starts to have confidence that if she cooks enough meal, uh, nice enough meals, she could perhaps bridge the relationship. And that gets smacked back down to Earth again. Uh, interestingly enough, not even when the dinner party gets interrupted, but it gets smacked down to Earth during the burial fight, and that's when she realizes that this relationship is probably beyond repair at this point. Yeah. Um, and Shinji's just like constantly slaps around. Uh, well, the most obvious one of you cannot advance is Kaoru stopping Shinji from triggering third impact. Yes. Uh, there are a couple, though, like when uh, he tries to stop killing Asuka. I know that's not him advancing, but him trying to advance in his level of authority, and he gets fucking overridden with the dummy plug system to the point where when he tries to destroy Nerve HQ, and he gets stopped once again by the LCL pressure increase. There are multiple times there where he sets a goal for himself and gets told no by the universe. Fair. And then overall, the big difference in this form of the story, as well as uh, the original story, what makes it different is, well, some characters were not able to advance past this part. Asuka did not advance past this part. Ray did not advance past this part. Well, I guess Ray always did not advance past this part, in a sense. Yeah, Ray 2 <laughs> never advanced past this part, but no. Ray 2's soul also kind of doesn't because it's but uh, on a larger scheme, you can look at it as the story cannot advance as it once did from yeah. this point. The story has been irrevocably changed. Like, all the changes that happened up until this point were minor enough that you could continue the story the way it had initially continued in NGE. At this point, the story cannot go the way it did before. It has to be changed for the rest of it. Yeah, so the people that uh, subscribe to the theory of the title referring to the change from the original to the new... Uh, you Are Not Alone is them ordering the bonds which weren't there in the original run, 
and this one is the it almost the series lures you in with a false sense of security that it's more of the same with slight changes and then this is real the one that like yeah things are very different she's asuka shikinami now kaji has nothing to do with her she's now the pilot of bardial and then at the end third impact gets triggered way earlier and then gets stopped by Kaoru, who's in a unit of his own. So it's literally, the change here is, the story can no longer advance the way you know it. Yeah. Story over. Like, literally, you just can't advance at that point. 3.33 is going to be a completely different movie, because they just can't advance. <laughs> What's the title of 3.33 again? You cannot redo. You cannot redo. Yeah, no, they're gonna try and start over from scratch again because they fucked up the story too much. But they're gonna realize, nope, can't do that, can't fix this. <laughs> Just cuts back to Otto in like the office, like no, 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 don't go there. Start again. <laughs> uh, yeah, they get halfway through. We see that black title card in the middle. Like some crazy shit happens, cuts to black, and then much like in fucking end of her death and rebirth, uh, we cut to live action footage. So this time it's just Otto shouting at the editors being like, no, this doesn't work. You can't redo this again. <laughs> you cannot redo when he looks at the camera. <laughs> yeah, it works. Oh, <laughs> uh, I would probably stop watching this forever. <laughs> I wouldn't even wait for four. I would just be done. <laughs> so overall, now that we've finished 2.22, you cannot advance. What are your thoughts? I have... Thoughts that I've had before, Keith. Thoughts being, are you just not a fan of happiness? Is that what's going on right now? To be now? fair, I don't think of this as the sad, like, point of Neon Genesis. Like, this is way, like, obviously Asuka being in a coma and Ray getting chomped on and infused with Unit 1 is bad. But they're in way better spots than they were originally. I, like, I kind of see that. But I just, it was one of those things where, like, the ways in which the story differed all seem to be for the better up until this point of like everyone's in a better place than they were initially everyone's on a stronger growth personally and is going to end up much happier in the end and then it just got to this point it's like oh by the way no everyone's still fucked like no one gets to have a happy story here they might be slightly happier than they were in neo genesis but it's not a happy story if that's what you were hoping for at this point that's how i interpret what's going on is <laughs> You being told that things are going to be different this time around, and you think, oh, that means happiness, right? And he's been like, no, it still means sadness. It just means sadness in a different way than the first time around. <laughs> I like it. I stand by my statement that I made at the beginning of this still might be my last time going through Evangelion, because I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to do this again. But I am enjoying this, and I am determined to finish this to the point where I'm like, I was really excited to watch this today and to record these episodes. Uh... I was about to say you can't comprehend, but given how long you had to wait for these movies, you can comprehend how excited I was, and probably a little bit more, but I still was very excited to record these episodes because I am enjoying the series and want to see how things shake out, even if it just ends with me in a depression. If that's where this goes, <laughs> fine, fair, but I'm enjoying the process of getting there. Yeah, waiting almost ten years uh, and then getting the announcement that uh, the fourth movie was coming out. I was very ecstatic. And 2.22... The, the sure, sheer, like, mic drop of the end, where it's like, oh, you thought everything was going to, like, how it normally does? No, fuck you, this is the big shakeup, was, like, just, it might be one of my favorite twists in all of Neon Genesis, of the fact that it just, oh, the movie ends with third impact starting. 
And then they come back just for a second and be like, psych! And then that's where it ends. Yeah. Yeah, overall, I think 2.22 is probably one of my favorite points in the franchise. I can accept that. I enjoyed it. I need to see more before I decide if this was... I did not favorite or a contender for favorite. Fair enough. But with that, I guess we will wrap up the episode for today. So if you'd like to reach out, you can always reach us at whatismypodcastabout at gmail.com with any questions or uh, facts or anything you'd like to mention to us. We might get right out on the podcast as well. On top of that, we upload episodes each Wednesday to all podcasting platforms as well as YouTube. Make sure to like, subscribe, favorite, pass on to your friends. Word of mouth definitely helps with spreading out the podcast to new audiences and helps out a lot. Make sure to join us on the Instagram page where we have facts going up on a regular basis as well as weekend polls. Currently we're going through the angel fights and as I'm listening to this, we should be fully into the second round of eliminations because we've gone through half of them so far. Our... And in the second round, we're probably going to start introducing some of the bonus angels uh, that uh, only appear starting regularly. I assume. I don't know for sure. Yeah, I'm I don't make these the weekend that would have passed as of listening to this, it probably would have been Clockiel and Tunniel just to balance out the next wave of people in the Angel Fights. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so make sure to follow along on that. And as always, Peter, what can we expect next time on Neon Genesis Evangelion? Uh, first of all, sadness. Second of all, uh, Karu's going to seduce Shinji to try and convince him not to go forward with the instrumentality of the second or third impact at this point. Uh, and Shinji's going to feel happiness when he establishes this relationship with Kaoru, but he's not going to be dependent on him this time around, so he's actually going to reject Kaoru and fully kill him intentionally on purpose, instead of having to, like, go through the emotional trauma of deciding to kill him. Well, make sure to tune in next time, and there will be plenty of fan service. <laughs>